on today's episode of Created. I just wanted to talk about some business experience I had, and I said, "Well, I was on Viagra for five years," and oh. they just the whole crowd just lost it, <laughs> and I was I went beet red and pretty much threw off the rest of the presentation. Amazing, but. amazing. <laughs> Welcome to Created, the Advertising and Design Club of Canada podcast that goes behind the scenes to find out how some of the best campaigns in Canada got made. Theme music and recording studio care of Grayson Music, and I'm your host, Miranda Martin-Evans, founder of Fellow Human Creative. On today's show, we're talking to Lance Martin, partner and chief creative officer at Union, and the story of the Viagra Bleep campaign, plus his incredible work for Mini and how his agency Union came to be. Lance, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So happy to have you here today uh, as a Martin Evans to a Martin. That's right. <laughs> um, so to start it all off, let's talk about the Viagra Bleep campaign. So where does this Viagra work all begin? Where are you right now? You're at Taxi? Yeah, I uh, was at Taxi for 12 years, uh, you know, did a lot of learning there worked with some of the most amazing people in the business. Um, 12 was, years is a long run. Yeah, it's uh, well, it was, a, it, was, it was a really good home for me. And, you know, as a creative, just when you get to that point that something is lacking at the time, uh, something would always come along to fill that void, whether it was new pieces of business or new challenges. Or at one point I went and started Taxi 2, which was just what I needed for my growth at that time. So it was lucky that it was a home with good people where I didn't need to look elsewhere at the time. I love that. And so you get so the brief so the brief comes down for Viagra, Viagra, which must have been exciting. Everybody must have wanted to work on Viagra. Yeah, it was a time when, you know, Viagra was, you know, in the news and everyone was talking about it and because there, it had just launched? Is that Yeah, it uh it well, it, to be honest, it had, it had launched with press and people talking about it and comedians making jokes about it on late night TV. And so, because you don't really need to advertise a one-of-a-kind world's first product like right, that. Right, right. Um, but that's what it was back in the early 2000s. It had just launched. It yeah, was a new thing. Exactly. So we, we, it's hard to think of it now in 2020, Viagra is so ubiquitous. Yeah. But back then it was this <laughs> innovative new drug. That's right. Um, yeah, and uh, so they, you know, they wanted to control the brand and instead of letting sort of pop culture control the brand. So that's when they got Taxi's help to start advertising. And Paul Lavoie at the time and Zach Murway did the great uh, Good Morning spot. And, and oh, yeah, that's there was, hilarious. you know, a few spots that came before my time, uh, which really focused on men's revitalization and feeling, you know, being happy and being confident again as a man. Um, and I did a few of those, too. And it's funny, I used to say sometimes when you're I was doing this interview in front of like 400 people and I said, I just wanted to talk about some business experience I had. And I said, well, I was on Viagra for five years. Oh. And they just, the whole crowd just lost it. <laughs> and I was, I went beet red and pretty much threw off the rest of the presentation. Amazing, but, amazing. Um, but yeah, so I worked on it for a while, did some fun work. But Bleep is one of my favorite pieces, one of the pieces that I'm not only proud of, that I got to be a part of, but also proud of all the team that put it together. So for those who don't know the work, just to refresh our memory, the, the creative idea was... Uh, well, it was about, they were switching gears to a little bit of trying to imply, you know, the sexual benefit of Viagra. And, but of course, the ASC, the Advertising Standards Council, 
Their whole job when it comes to pharmaceutical advertising is to not let you imply at all what the product does. Um, so the campaign concept we came up with was, um, it was basically an innocuous situation where someone's, let's say, in a lunchroom and they're like, oh, oh uh, you know, you're looking trim, Tom. And he's like, you know, have you been working out? And he's like, no, but I did. And then a pill would come up over his mouth and we'd hear a sensor beep. Boop. And... <laughs> And then it would, he'd stop and there'd be this awkwardness in the lunchroom and your brain just goes crazy filling in the dots of what happened last night. So, such good work, such amazing work. So how did, so, okay, so you get the, the brief said we want to be more, talk about more sexuality. Viagra wanted to go that way. Yeah. They, and when you presented that work to them, this is before it's gone to ASC, before it's gone to testing, were they nervous? Did they like it? Um, everybody liked it. The, the magic part about that, and it's so hard to do is because every client wants to have their product integrated into the concept and it doesn't always work if you're margarine or something. I'm sorry. It can't always, right. <laughs> sorry, clients out there. No, it no, can't always work that way. Then there's lots of other great formulas to make commercials that all work equally as well. Um, but it is kind of a, a really, um, magical thing when, the thing that causes the humor in the ad and the thing that is the crux of the concept is the client's logo. Yeah. Which was, so we all sort of recognized there was some nervous excitement about will this get through? Will will it get made? So then what's the process after that? You go into testing or it goes to ASC first? Where, how did, or it's at the same time we have to get these hurdles. Well, I guess it starts started with the brief and coming up with the concept was kind of the, the hard part, but ASC's, you know, the box they put you in and that we're not allowed to say anything kind of got us thinking about censorship and, um, oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. And to be honest, we, we went down a path at one point about, uh, I don't know if, uh, if you remember, but as a young male, there used to be on TV kind of blue movies that were scrambled and you couldn't see them. I don't but, know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> but as a young boy, you'd like stare at these and go like, I think I see something. I think it's a woman. So these so, were channels you had to pay for that nobody paid yeah, for. Yeah, that no one paid for. Right. So we started talking about that and how it was funny that it was censored and you couldn't see it, but you knew something naughty was going on. And that got us starting to think about this idea of like, well, what if we thought something was going on, but nothing is actually going on? And that's when we came up with this thought of what if it was a sensor bar? And, and I think that was, you know, 80% of the idea. And then the last 20% was like, let's put, let's use the pill as the sensor bar, you know, which so brought smart. that together. Then the challenge is now getting that approved, that script approved with the ASC. Um, so, cause we knew as soon as they saw the word sensor, they're, they're going to go like, well, wait a minute. Why is something being censored? There must be something, naughty going on and that's what they're trying to not imply what that drug does ironically but they want to censor you yeah exactly <laughs> it's so weird right. okay so then how did you overcome that hurdle well what we did is um we actually just in the way we wrote the script we said you know we had the script lined out like what did you do last night or you know have you been working out and he says no but i have and then we just said a continuous tone is heard and not the untrue and, and the logo is shown so i think that decision um to switch it from the word sensor to a continuous tone, which it is, it is, yeah, um, is what made that you know get through the system and allowed sort of this great work to to come to life. Did anything 
did any other scripts go to ASC and die before you got to this work or at the same time as this work? Um, I mean, over the years, I, um, you know, Taxi had done some amazing work for Viagra. And I think the ASC started really studying those scripts and saying, right. is there anything in there that we that implies what this product does? And, and in fact, I uh, they sent back a script rejected. So sometimes writers, when they're thinking of characters, they just write names for them. So Bob says this and Tom says that and Sally says this. So once the creative team, just for fun, used my name as one of the characters in the script. So, and it wasn't even, a, the name wasn't even referenced. It was just in the script. So it says, Lance would say this. And we actually got a rejection notice from the ASC with my name highlighted saying, you can't use the word Lance because it technically means long spear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's how seriously they would analyze. Why isn't that your new LinkedIn profile? I feel like you should just go with long spear Martin going forward. That's hilarious. So your name that wasn't even said out loud became a flag for the ASC. Yeah. Cause that's how, how detailed they would go over a script trying to see if there was any indication of what the product could benefit, like how it could benefit someone. Now, was this following the bleep campaign? They're like, well, you got that one through. We're on to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I can't quite remember if this was before, but they did, uh, they really analyzed the scripts, wow. uh, especially after Bleep. In fact, um, we had a year two plan for Bleep, which was going to be, um, we thought, really fun. We, we had actually gotten access pretty affordably, actually, to stock of uh, Gilligan's Island, for instance, and all these 70s sitcoms. So... Our premise was to have, you know, the skipper say like, you know, Gilligan was on the treadmill and it's like, Gilligan, why haven't you done your chores? And he's like, well, last night I was. (laughs) It's so good. And then the skipper started hitting him with his hat. So we had like four (laughs) or five of these scripts. They were actually going to be super affordable. And we put them through to the ASC and they kind of sent back a note and got us on the phone. And they were like, well, we didn't really understand how this worked last year. And now that we see how it comes across, we feel it implies the benefit to, of what the drug ah, does. It's too bad because it's that's so funny. Yeah, it was it was really it would have been a nice year too, oh, and so uh, pretty affordable too for the client, which would have been great. So let's go back to the bleep campaign before mm-hmm. it gets up on its feet, because uh, I'm dying to know how you made that magic happen, even in production. But take us back to the testing, because yeah. I assume with pharma that you had to do boards and go through the whole thing. Yeah, we had to do animatics, everything was tested and, and did you test multiple things were there other yeah, scripts in the mix different scripts but that was by far the agency's favorite we were we were really excited about that and you know in the testing room the you know the, in this case it was a group of all men in another room i think 50 of them and they were in this building somewhere we couldn't see them or anything and they were just answering you know, as they're watching a clutter reel of all these other animatics, one to five, whether they like it or not, you know, they're scrolling right, they like their a, thumb. Like a controller thingy. Yeah, a little and... controller. And it's like, you know, emotionally, if they like it, they give it a five and then a four. And I don't like this and I don't like that. So you're you're actually getting real time results of what parts of your script are, are working and what aren't. So, um, but it comes across the screen in the in the focus group room as just this wave of like flashing bars. Okay, because you so, guys are in another room. Yeah, so we're with the client in this darkened room eating, you know, sort of bad takeout food. Right, and, and you're watching real time data come up. Yeah, and on your likability. Yeah, and they're all sort of bar graphs, and red, of course, is is bad. Um, you know, and orange is medium, obviously, and then um, green is amazing. So. 
But if you've seen these, they flash by because they're testing like 30 different metrics. So it's like likability, hateability, intent to buy, all these things, right? And don't get me started on, on testing. We don't yeah. have time in this podcast. <laughs> but um, it's it's kind of flashing really quickly and it's flashing a lot of orange actually, you know? So we're like, oh, and if you've ever been in a focus group room with a client, like sometimes the tide can turn on a piece of creative and it doesn't matter what the post report says, four days later, it's like the decision can get made in that room. So I was really panicked that, cause you know, everyone was starting to grumble like, oh, I thought it would do better. And huh, I don't know if they like it just because they're just seeing all this numbers and all these orange charts, uh, bars. So I really wanted this campaign to live. I, I run out the door and I'm, I run down to the room where all the men are and I'm having to run like through all these hallways. It's like a comical <laughs> rat maze. By the time I get to the door, I'm like heavy breathing. And I put my ear against the door and I can hear the clutter reel and I know which spots are coming. And then I hear the bleep campaign come on and I hear the, you know, the lead up to the, to the bleep and the bleep comes on and the room just erupts with laughter. Like 50 men just got laughing. Amazing. Yeah. And so I run back to the room. And, and that's like, what you're not hearing in the room. Yeah. You're, you're you just seeing that. a chart with numbers. So I run back to the room and I'm like, guys, it's okay. Everyone relax. They just died laughing. And then when we got the result, we actually saw that, you know, it was a lot more positive. Than you weren't we just making it, it up. Yeah. It's like, that's actually how. So was yeah. the orange on the screen for the other things in the clutter reel? That's what was happening? No, just uh, different metrics. But when it came down to like, you know, the likability, that was hard green and like, gotcha. just like, like the ones the that mattered. Line. Yeah. Yeah. They really worked well. That's fantastic. So the client green lights it. ASC says, go for it. Now you're off into production. Yeah, the production was great. Um, and again, you know, everyone wants to Viagra is a product that everyone's excited about. There's a, as soon as you hear you're working on it, everyone has sort of like naughty looks at each other. So everyone who works on Viagra, you know, whether you're a creative or a grip or anything, it's like kind of a fun set to be on just because the products was so interesting and timely at, uh, as well. So the shoot, um, you know, just interesting things happened. I mean, the, there was, uh, one of the concepts was two old men golfing. Um, and it's basically just like, he, he makes an amazing putt and he's like, wow, would you look at that? And he's like, well, that's nothing. Last night I, boop. And, uh, <laughs> right. and then the old other old man just, just like giggles awkwardly. It's just a charming little spot. But that character who's, who's, you know, if you would think we dressed to look like this Florida man actually literally showed up on set in a brown Rolls Royce, came out in his sweater vest, big sort of, you know, rose-colored sunglasses on and he had his own viagra with him He's wait like, so did the actor actually that's just him he's not even yeah, really acting he no. actually showed up in a rolls why is he doing a viagra commercial, yeah, I don't know. mister I don't who guess, is this mystery man <laughs> i guess this is his retirement plan he's just like well this would be fun to go sit on a golf course and talk about viagra today that's but it worked hysterical. out it worked out amazing um, but he had his own which i also thought was funny he kept pulling it out he's like well if you need need any guys <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. He's your connection. <laughs> and, so the casting must have been hilarious for this. Yeah, it was it was funny actually because they were actually saying kind of, you know, well each actor handled it differently what they said in the part that we knew was gonna get bleeped out, but it was pretty distracting. Uh so we ended up even when we showed the client the casting, we had to cut what they were saying because it could change the spirit of it if they said something too graphic. In fact, one of the one of the scripts is about a coach. And he gets up and he's supposed to be doing his post-game coach report. And he actually starts talking about what he did. And the Viagra pill comes up 
And actually what he was saying on set was too strange for people and a bit too... Because <laughs> he was just improvising sex, Just improvising because we knew that part would get cut out. So it was just like his mouth just had to be moving. Um, but we actually had to get him to stop. And then there was a couple kids in the room for, for something at the back. And we actually, they had to... We had to like, let's take those kids out like of here. Like take the children away from take this the children away from improviser. This improviser. And we had to like, hey, cool your jets. <laughs> but the old, uh, the cute old man on the golf course was charming because you could say anything you want at that point, just because we knew that would get cut out. But the, the man would say like, last night, I made love to my wife. <laughs> and he just said that over and over again. It was so sweet. And actually, if you oh, look at so the, the take, you can see him just saying that, that, yeah, it's really charming. And I actually believe Mr. Rolls-Royce, that probably is what he did last That's night. That's right. That's probably where that guy was at. That's why he had all the extra Viagra. So the campaign goes live. Is Are people nervous about it or is everyone just really excited? Um, yeah, I think everyone was excited. It was, um, you know, they were just short. They worked really well. Um, they got spoofed on This Hour's 22 Minutes and all these. Like, for me, when you do something and then it gets into pop culture... That's when you know you're you're breaking through just sort of, you know, you know, rational communication or like transactional advertising into mm -hmm. pop culture, and you're really connecting with people when they make it part of their jokes or, or we see it on TV or something like that. And pe people loved it. I mean, it went on to win everything at all the shows. Um, I'm sure huge success for the client. Yeah, it was it was great, and they continued. You know, uh, then I at this point I I kind of went down and ended up opening Taxi 2, but the teams that continued and Taxi uh, did a whole bunch of other great work on it. And on the same premise of, of like letting your brain connect, you know, of what's happening when you see the Viagra logo, you know, what that's, that's the power of a brand that that's is so strong is that it allows you to use a lot of shorthands. You don't have to spend time explaining what is great about this product. You already know, and it allows you to have a lot more fun with the communication. You did so much incredible work uh, well, in your career, but especially at Taxi. I'd love to also talk about the work that you did for Mini. Okay, cool. Um, Mini was amazing. Mini was a great client. They they came to Canada. Um, well, we knew they were coming to Canada. They were this, you it was know. like 2001-ish, 2000, I think they were. Because I where I worked on that pitch back back in the day. I oh yeah, around two thousand. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was like my first job out of advertising, and I'm like, wow, the mini's coming back. Because my yeah. dad had an old old mini. It's such a great brand with so much heritage, and it was sort of like that first fun car. Yeah, and they again, that's a client who was smart enough to think like, I better control what this brand looks like because at the time the bug had kind of come and become a fad car and gone. Like really had a very short spike yeah, where it, did. it came and everyone was excited, the new bug. And then put a flower in the vase. Yeah. And then it kind of was like, wow, no one would buy that again after three or so years. So they, I mean, we only had about 500 cars coming to Canada at the beginning. And so we didn't really need to advertise all the old British guys like your dad were going to buy it. Yeah. So, um, but they wanted to control the brand. They wanted it to be a little, you know, we knew it was little and how do you translate little into performance? Because mm -hmm. it had actually, you know, great horsepower, had amazing handling, really felt like a go-kart to drive. So the challenge of not making it cute and making it, you know, something that serious car drivers would look at. Um, and that's, you know, we came up with a strategy, which we short formed, just it was, it's a little shit disturber. 
Oh, it, was that actually the brief? I love it. Yeah, that. that's that was definitely part of the brief. That was the tone of all the work was let's let's do things differently than every other automaker. And um the the work, you know, I worked on Mini for about 10 years and they always just followed that ethos of like, hey, what's what can we do differently? What and and Mini's uh advertising budgets were so tiny, like a like a rounding error for most car companies. Like how how tiny we like sometimes i mean not at launch but other times you'd you know you'd be introducing a new car and you'd have sixty thousand dollars wow yeah for really yeah so but you guys did such amazing work all with sixty thousand dollars or ish yeah i mean wow. that ish but the the i mean every the client understood that we were trying to punch above our weight class and the way the creative process was them was probably was probably different than almost every other client i've worked on what we would do is we would put up let's say 30 ideas on the wall, you know, tissues kind of thoughts. And then we would say, what, what are you allergic to here? Basically? Like what can oh, you bring we the, make? you'd bring the client yeah. into that part. Yeah. And we'd it's show, true. we'd show them all the work. Ideas? Yeah. And then we'd say, what, what can't we make? And they'd be like, Oh, this one, our competitor kind of did something really similar to that. And this one, we just don't think is right for this reason. And then we'd be left with like 28 things and we would just try and see how many we could make. And we would have the control to be like, you know, you investigate one, you realize, oh, it's actually going to cost $100,000. We can't do it. Or actually, we're going to do this one and this one. And actually, we thought of a way that maybe we can do this one too. So we ended up doing a lot of work, you know, and over the 10 years, that work just started to pay off and for the client. And, you know, I remember at, talking to other automakers that were like, why can't I, I would love to have some work like Mini. Oh, and But there was, the client also had that discipline to go like, I, I trust this process. I know something good is going to come out of it. It doesn't have to, we don't have to do one thing and pick it apart and analyze it. So tell us about some of the work. Um, yeah, there was fun things over the years. We did uh, a piece that was fun, uh, Let There uh, Let there Be Xenon, it was called. Um, so Xenon headlights weren't even really, many had Xenon headlights, but lots of cars had Xenon headlights. We had a a billboard placement and we knew we had uh, a fiberglass mini and uh, we had used these fiberglass minis to hang on walls before in the club district and we, which in itself by the way was amazing work uh, oh, they, they, it, it looked like the car a physical you built these fiberglass models of the car is that how it worked yeah and you would hang them off buildings yeah we we worked with zach merway on that and we um the tire tracks of the car made the Union Jack. And it was sort of one of the first pieces we did. Love that. Which got a lot of attention. Yeah. And, and just again, you know, just intercepting people and stopping them. And people were, you know, taking pictures in the street, um, you know, long before the days of Instagram and things, yeah. um, like sharing it on these things called blogs. Which were <laughs> a, a new thing yeah, back then. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we had the, we had, this is a few years later, we had, we still had access to these shells and we had a placement. So, we put the mini on the wall facing the sky and we put two 25,000 watt searchlights up on this on the roof of the building so it looked like the headlights were shining into the sky oh, amazing so it made this huge you know visual installation and and again sorry xenon wasn't wasn't new so the, at one point you know we were thinking like should we be advertising xenon like lots of cars have xenon but right. it wasn't really the point about the feature it was the point about look at how impactful this is and look at how fun it is. Yeah. Um, so much fun, in fact, that the Porter Airline people um, kind of 
petitioned us to take it down because it was distracting the pilots. Oh, as no. They, as they that, that is a new level of shit disturber. Yeah, for the exactly. And <laughs> but that was fun. I mean, that's I the kind of that. Got, that also got it some extra press yeah. and things like that. So, um, you know, the mini client was uh, was amazing and always understood that, you know, that kind of attention for mini was was really helpful because, you know, just built a brand. It made it seem kind of a little bit naughty and badass. And even when you were doing more traditional work for them, like transit shelters, the lines were always incredibly creative and had such a great look and point of view. Yeah, thanks. I mean, at, at launch, we had a lot of fun because, again, you're, you're advertising a car that is a lot different from other cars. And so we had this working line at one point that a, a copywriter had wrote, which was uh, faster than a Ferrari. And I was seeing the work and I remember going like, is it fast? You know, this is at launch actually. And we're talking about the car and I'm like, it's not faster than a Ferrari, is it? And he's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, but I bet it could park faster than a Ferrari. <laughs> so we had the line parks faster than a Ferrari, so which was kind of had that humor of like, yeah, it's not faster than a Ferrari, but it's way easier to park. So. Way easier to park. But that's the cheeky attitude of the brand mm. that carried on for, for years. It's so smart. Yeah, they did. Uh, well, um, once we put up a line that was... I guess um, Volkswagen had real drivers wanted campaign. Yep. Oh, drivers wanted drivers campaign. Wanted, yeah. So we put up a mini billboard right uh, in front of it, a mini uh, transit shelter that said "Real drivers wanted," um, which was fun. And of course, you know that was just one shit TSA disturber. shit disturber. Yeah. The president got a uh, cease and desist, from, which he probably knew was going to get from Volkswagen. But for him, you know, and they they were all on board with like what they were trying to build in Canada. He kind of had it as a badge of honor. He's like, look, like. Cease and we're, we're challenging them, you know, so from airlines, from competitors, <laughs> yeah. like you're getting those all over the place. Not everything we did got us in trouble. Yes, that's <laughs> true. But it sounds, you know, the tax years were so fun and you're doing so much work, but you were there for a long time. At what point does union begin to form and how how did you and Sub create an agency? Yeah, I mean, as I said before, uh, Taxi was an amazing home with amazing people. Um, but, you know, at, at some point I just started thinking of uh, what would the something else look like? What's next? It was right in the time when, you know, digital was booming. And um, I started thinking about working with a digital planner and Sub Nijar's name just kept coming up. Everyone was like, oh, you got to see Sub. You got to hang out with Sub. Sub's so smart. So Sub was running Crispin Porter Bogusky at the time. Um, as a senior planner and which had formed out of Zig back in the days. Right. Yeah. And uh, so Sub and I didn't really know each other, to be honest. His reputation was amazing. Uh, so we got together kind of like October 3rd. And Wait, like on a blind day? Like, yeah, we should meet each exactly. other. Exactly. Yeah. Aww. So we Because go, you're thinking, what's next for me? And I'm going to meet this guy and just... Yeah, I mean, I was... Like, were you thinking, I want to start an agency? Yeah, and I had, you know, I had talked to Paul Lavoie many times over over my career with Paul, and Paul was a great mentor for me. And I told him, like, one day I'd like to have an agency, and because I admired what Paul had done with Taxi. Mm -hmm. And um, so he was quite understanding when I resigned. He's like, I know, I knew you've always wanted to do this. So, oh, I love that. Yeah, he was great. So I went and I, uh, I started meeting with Sub, and... It's funny because in October I don't uh, I don't drink alcohol. I, I call it sober October or, or uh, sober right. October. Yeah, yeah. How and, long have you been doing that for? Oh, I've been doing that for like sixteen, seventeen years. What? Yeah. I, f I feel like that that's more of a new trend. I feel maybe you started it. <laughs> I don't sober know if October, I can take credit. Wow. A lot of sober January people, but 
I thought uh, if you're going to lose, like, you know, lose a bunch of weight right before Christmas when you're going to put it all back on again. Right. Oh, oh so all right. It's like preemptive Christmas planning. Fair enough. <laughs> so you're meeting him in October, but it's sober October. Yeah. So we're meeting, you know, kind of talking about, like, how would this work and what's the plan and, you know, working on contracts and stuff. And, of course, oh, we're doing... Well, so you knew right away when you met him, you're like... the this guy, I'm going to start an agency with him. Yeah, I mean, after, you know, we hung... So again, we, we'd go to bars and we'd hang out and, and talk about, well, what is your vision and what's my vision? So we started to be like, hey, this could work. And we we set the plans in motion to start uh, our own agency. And, but I'm drinking soda water this whole time and he's having a couple beers. We'd meet again. We were always meeting at night because we both had these these day jobs. Right. And so we're getting pretty close to the end and like we're, we've got papers and we're about to sign and subs told me you know years later he's like i talked to my wife and i was like i don't know if i can work with this guy he doesn't drink alcohol like what are we gonna do for fun and then so we finally (laughs) signed the papers and i i always sort of crack it on uh, on halloween on october uh 31st so we signed uh right before that and i'm like oh we can celebrate we'll we'll, we'll have a beer and he's like what what you drink you drink the beer (laughs) the beer yay So, so hi so you formed from not knowing sub to let's start an agency together in a month. Yeah. This all comes together. Yeah, pretty much. You just knew that there was something special there. Yeah. We just had an instant connection. We're amazing friends now. So it's, uh, it's great. He's a a great second half to me. His brain works totally different than mine, but, but we understand each other's brains. So it's, uh, it's been a really great partnership over the last seven years. So then you decide to form what is now union. That's right. How do you come up with the name union? Yeah, we, uh, you know, Union, uh, you know, we were talking about brands and how consumers interact with brands nowadays, and we want to put the consumer at the center of what we of what we do. And the consumer actually now gets to choose a brand that represents them. They have control as opposed to us just shouting at them like mm-hmm. the old days. So, you know, we started talking about the connection between consumer and brand, that they want something that, you know, they can get behind and feel reflects their values. So we started thinking about connection words and union started coming up as a great word. I wanted something short and easy to make a good logo out of. (laughs) And um, so, and then the other part of it is we, you know, Sub and I wanted to be involved in the work and we want, you know, stay close to the work. So we kind of thought the name Union had a bit of a roll of its sleeves sound to it and a bit of a let's, let's get down to it and, you know, a workman, a worker, workmanship to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how we, we came up with the name Union. And how, what is Union like today? How many, how many people are at Union? We're about 65 people right now. Um, and we do pretty much everything uh, in-house except for PR. So um, it's a little unusual for an agency our size. We've got media capabilities. We've got full digital capabilities. So we can really help a client with a 360 problem. And, you know, with the pace that things happen and the amount of different diverse things we have to make nowadays, uh, we actually can do it all in one room. So um, a lot of people are are generalists and specialists at the same time. They're really good at, let's say, media, but they also understand different things that we need for different departments and creative and digital. So it's a it's a nice one stop for a client. So Union is doing incredible work right now. You've got a great team. What do you see next for Union, for the industry? What, what gets you excited? I mean, this whole job is exciting every day. It's, you know, if I think of how much it changes over the last, you know, 25 years, I guess. And it's it's shows no sign of changing down with, of course, things like data being trends and 
seeing these trends come and seeing whether they actually implement and to make better work or whether they just are a trend that comes and goes. I've seen a lot of things over the years. And, um, but for us, it's our job to, to sort of try them, test drive them, you know, things like, um, social and, you know, we've, we've built a huge social department we do tons of social for infinity. Um, you know, everything from short content to post a day stuff to long format stuff. We do a, a ton of production in-house. I think that's one of the pendulums we're seeing swinging back to the old days of the eighties where, you know, a big agency would literally have everything in-house and then everything went out to sort of become boutique. Um, a lot of stuff is coming back in the agency and that's just because we need to make more things now. And yeah. with a client's limited budget, it's actually becoming a situation where they actually just can't afford to make things using a traditional model. And we want to make work. I mean, that's what gets us excited. Well, is let's put making... the 30 ideas on the wall and try exactly. to make them all, right? Exactly. That's that's what kind of gets me jazzed is making things. So uh, bringing a lot of those uh, services in-house now, we, you know, we can shoot our own stuff, do our own sound, do our own editing. So it allows us you know, to, to farm out and, and work with amazing people on, on the right things where we really need that expertise, but also in some other elements where we, we just want to make more or we need to make versions and do things. We can keep that in house, uh, because sometimes it's the difference between it happening and not happening. And funnily enough, like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, don't get me started about testing, but in that old model where everything was 30 second TV and like everything was tested and like, it's just so weird to think about 50 strangers in a room with an, with a pad and orange. And I feel like in this new maker culture that you just described, where we're a little bit more nimble, we're doing more pieces of content mm -hmm. that there's a lot more going clients too, following their gut and going for it. Cause there just isn't money to be spent on. Yeah, it's it's a big change Testing. for everyone to follow their gut, as yeah. you say. I mean, even in social where, you know, everyone, you know, there'll be a banana taped to a wall and suddenly yeah. every brand in their feed has their brand taped to a wall. And it's, there's a nimbleness to that, but there's also, a, is this actually, are we just talking to ourselves when 30 brands did the exact same, um, you know, piece of content? Um, so I think there's a real balance to be figured out between just being responsive and fast um, and trying to like bombard your way into pop culture versus also being fast and nimble, but, but really remembering that how to connect with the person and what does your brand stand for and doing work that, that represents what the real values of your brand. And I think it's, it's hard for clients also to just be that nimble when, you know, uh, something happens on, Game of Thrones and the coffee cup is in a scene the next day by noon, you've got to have, if you want to capitalize on that cultural moment, you've got to have a piece out. And that's a, that's a pretty fast turnaround for certain industries and their structures uh, to get approval on things like that. But also so exciting and such a fun time in creativity right now. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's what's beautiful about the advertising business. It's every day is a different day. Every day you're, you're still constantly learning of, you know, from whether it's just from working with all these amazing people, so many great minds in advertising. Um, and even, you know, even on the client side too, the, the, you know, the business acumen that they bring, it's, uh, you're always constantly going, oh, that's an amazing way to think of that. So it's a, it's a, it's a really great business. It's fun. 
I agree. It is a really great business and it's fun. And this interview was super fun. So Lance, thank you so much for being on the show today. Or should I call you Longspear? <laughs> no, please don't. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks to Lance Martin for being on the show today. And thank you for listening to the ADCC podcast that proves it's not just about creativity. It's about getting it created. The ADCC is a nonprofit dedicated to encouraging excellence in Canadian advertising and design. Follow us on Instagram at the ADCC. Have an episode idea? Email us created at the ADCC.ca. 